Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. For me, it was the right fit against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and I am in a radio booth at MetLife Stadium after really the biggest game for the Giants in the regular season in six years, going back to 2016. And your final score, well, as Saquon Barkley said, kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Giants 20, Washington 20, after 70 minutes, including overtime, Graham Gano's final field goal from 58 yards out falls short, and we have a tie. The first tie for the Giants since 1997, and big picture, a tie helps both teams, most likely, in their playoff chances, but it's kind of weird because you go into this game believing that the winner was going to take a huge step forward, and... Right now, it probably seems like a slight step back. And Giants are now 7-4-1. The Commanders are 7-5-1. So Giants still have that lead two weeks from now. It's Giants-Commanders Part 2 down at FedEx Field in Landover. But right now, I think Jihad Ward encapsulated the feeling in the Giants locker room when he said personally I'm treating this as an L and for the Giants there were a lot of missed opportunities and I think when you compare this team to what they were out of the gates with seven wins they're just not getting the explosive plays that they did in a running game from Saquon Barkley Daniel Jones was productive on the ground today. Obviously, that fumble on the zone read, the read option, really hurt the Giants early on, allowed Washington to get a field goal, and that ultimately becomes a big issue late in the game. Now, there were several things to pick apart in this game. Some of the plays that I go back to, end of the first half, I know a lot of you on social media were critical of the Giants and how Brian Dable and Mike Kafka handled the end of the first half. The fact that the Giants had their best two-minute drive in a long while and got down there and got three points to tie the game was a big momentum shift. 
but there certainly was a situation where you you felt like they left you a little bit wanting more and they didn't take a shot at the end zone they didn't have any timeouts maybe you call a timeout earlier or you save a timeout earlier but the bottom line is I believe the Giants were fearful of in that situation and they had every reason to is that those two defensive tackles for Washington Deron Payne and John Allen they had a couple clean looks in this game at Daniel Jones the last thing they could have done is drop back to get Daniel Jones a shot at the end zone and have one of those two defensive tackles blow through the guards, Nick Gates left guard, Mark Lewinsky right guard, or John Feliciano at center. Take advantage of what the Giants knew was going to be somewhat of a disadvantage for them and give up points in that spot. Because if Jones gets sacked in that situation with a clean hit, half is over and the Giants miss an opportunity. So... I did not disagree with the way Dable went about it to get those points. And obviously points were precious at a premium later in the game. Uh, you would have liked to see him maybe a little bit more aggressive. Fast forward to overtime when it was fourth and three. Would the Giants have punted in that scenario? I think they looked at it and said that if they were too aggressive in that spot... They gave Washington an opportunity to kick a field goal and beat them. And I think when you're playing the percentages, you don't want to make a mistake that ultimately gives the team a win. Now, I know what we say about a tie feels like a loss, but the reality is a tie was better than a loss for the Giants in that situation. They have the better record than Washington. If they tie Washington twice... You know, let's say they tie again. If the situation is the same, the Giants hold the advantage. Now, obviously, Washington being on a bye this coming week and the Giants having to play the Eagles here, well, that kind of ties things up a little bit. And that will really send the Giants to Landover next week, uh, in two weeks, if they lose to Philly in a situation where they have to win to keep their playoff chances alive because it's likely that the Giants and the uh, Commanders will be fighting for one spot. Now, that's especially true because of the way Seattle responded today. Seattle, even though they still have five losses, they come back and they beat a game Rams team that didn't have any of its stars and get to a point where... Now, they're sitting to hold a tiebreaker over the Giants because they beat them head-to-head. And now you're getting bounced back for that seventh spot to make sure that you're there. Now, the Lions are also looming after beating the Jaguars today. We'll see how that plays out. But as far as the playoffs go, I think this was clearly... The Giants are going to look back and say, how come we didn't take advantage of some of the opportunities we had? Am I concerned about Saquon Barkley, considering he didn't have the, you know, it's almost like you don't see that explosiveness. But again, I know this is a very good front that Washington has. 
and I think the Giants, it's not going to get any easier. So it's hard to expect this team to get the kind of plays that they were getting early on from Barkley in the run game. They might have to look at a situation where they're only getting you know, 75, 80 yards with Saquon and Daniel Jones combining in that rushing game. couple things moving forward. I'm trying to think of things. I think it's a positive for for the Giants that Daniel Bellinger came through this game unscathed. Evan Neal came through this game unscathed. Uh, I gotta say obviously John Feliciano's taunting penalty. Let's talk about that. We know what the intention was for Feliciano. Slayton made a great catch they get into Washington territory. They're setting up there. At the very least, they're going to get a field goal. And it's late in the game. You're driving. You know you need to get points going in that direction because ultimately we saw what happens in the other direction when Graham Gano missed the game winner at the end. You were all fired up. I understand the emotions of the game. You came over. You walked through several commanders, defenders, to get to Slayton and flexed on him. And the officials are going to call that all the time. And whether you agree with it, whether they should do it or not, you're giving giving them the reason to call it. And the bottom line with the Giants is that Look, John Mara is involved in that taunting penalty and that rule. And that's the way a lot of people want it. Ron Rivera was a part of that committee. He wanted the taunting penalty that way. And a lot of players disagree with it. A lot of fans disagree with it. But the reality is it's basically, I'll compare it to wearing a seatbelt in a car. And just for this perspective, not the safety issue or anything else, but if you don't like wearing a safe seatbelt in the car and you don't want to wear a seatbelt in the car, then you don't have to wear a seatbelt in the car until you get pulled over by a cop. And if the cop sees that you're not wearing a seatbelt, they're going to give you a ticket. And you can argue all you want with the police officer at your car saying that you don't believe that you should have to wear a seatbelt. But the bottom line is... It's still on the books. It's still a rule. It's still a law in that case. So it might be a little bit of a tangent, but that's ultimately how I feel about the situation. I don't like the taunting. I think it's ridiculous that you can have a defense make a play and run the entire 11-man unit plus people off the bench down to a camera in the end zone and start taking pictures and posing but if a guy flexes in the direction of another player on another team he gets a 15 yard penalty something about that doesn't jive with me so I can understand where Feliciano is coming from but the bottom line is you know I didn't feel like this game and Feliciano said that after the game and then I asked him about what he was feeling about a tie and he said, you know, it just it sucks because you feel like, and I'm paraphrasing, you feel like you're playing two teams and you lost to two teams today, meaning the officials. And he knows he's going to get fined for that. But 
That's the way he felt. He danced around it for a little while to not get fined, to not put something out there, but he ultimately did. So I'll get you the direct quote, what Feliciano said. And he said, it sucks, especially when you're playing two teams. So that's where we're at with the Giants. So Eagles are up next. Look, anything can happen, but the Eagles are loaded. They're playing well. It's hard to imagine a scenario where the Giants beat this team in Philly to come here at the at MetLife. That's why some are already envisioning the Eagles clinching the NFC so that when the Giants have to go there in Week 18, maybe they're sitting out some players and they have a better chance if they need that win to get into the play, into the playoffs. So that's where we're at. I want to talk to you about a little bit and give you some insight that I gained today regarding that game against the Commanders two weeks from now. I know I've talked a lot about it. I've tweeted a lot about it. I've dug into it. The Saturday the 17th game versus playing on a Sunday the 18th and why it's up in the air. The NFL selected five games before the season. Giants-Washington is one of them. That they will pick from that group three games to put in three national-only slots on Saturday. It'll be 1 o'clock. It'll be in the 4 o'clock hour. Still not sure if it's 4.15 or 4.30. And then the nighttime window uh, at 8 o'clock will be a primetime game. Now, Miami-Buffalo is that weekend. I would imagine that's one of the games that gets moved to Saturday. The Giants-Washington would be another. And then Baltimore and Cleveland, I would think, would be another. Uh, Obviously, the other two, I think... Uh, Atlanta Atlanta, and New Orleans was one of them. I don't think that's going to be picked. But here's something I heard today that I was unclear about. That game from that group could end up being a Sunday night game. So they could move Miami-Buffalo to Sunday night, I think, or keep it at Saturday night. They could move the Giants and the Washington Commanders to Sunday night that weekend in Washington. So it's just something to keep an eye on as we move forward here. We should get that decision tomorrow. Uh, My understanding is that there might be a chance that the league announces that triple header for the Saturday the 17th on Monday Night Football tomorrow, whether that comes at halftime or comes late in the second half. However that is, that's an opportunity, that's a possibility. Uh, But it was a weird situation in the Giants' locker room today coming after this game. A tie is a weird game to cover. For some players who have never had a tie, it's a weird scenario to kind of assess what you're feeling after the game. In the long run, again, as we've talked about, a tie is better than a loss. But in a game like this, when you fight for 70 minutes and you have opportunities to not only put this game away, but win the game, it's frustrating. And I think uh, the Giants really felt that. You know, some of the missed tackles on the Terry McLaurin touchdown early in the first quarter, you know, that was tough. But the Giants are battling, but that's not good enough right now. Maybe big picture, when you compare what they had last year to this year, you feel a little better. But... 
the Giant fan that is frustrated that this team has not made plays over the last couple weeks, I can get. I get it. I I, I do get it. We're just gonna have to see where these wins come from over the next five weeks to get this team into the playoffs. I'm not sure where it's gonna come from, so we'll see. But I do like the way this team fights. The fact that Kayvon Thibodeau had that sack of Taylor Heineke at the goal line in overtime, you almost think to yourself, man, if that ball comes loose on Heineke, can the Giants have won either on a safety or a touchdown, or they get the ball at the goal line, and then all of a sudden they're kicking to have an opportunity to win overtime after that sack. It didn't happen, but it kind of forced Washington to play for the tie rather than trying to go for the win and get to a field goal situation. So that'll wrap it up for tonight. Appreciate all of you checking out the podcast, the post-game podcast. We'll be back this week and 7-4-1. I know Giants fans, if I had told you that in the summer, you would have signed for it. Certainly feels a lot different today. Uh, Either way, this is where your team is and we'll stay all in in terms of where we're at for the New York Giants moving forward and seeing if they could turn these final five games into a playoff run. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.